0: Well, good evening, beloved. Trust that you are doing well um, in spite of our circumstances. Uh, hopefully, uh, you've grabbed your Bible and made your way to Romans 3. But if you haven't yet, I encourage you to go to Romans chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 27 through 31 this evening and considering this idea proper credit. So, Romans chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 27. Uh, this is God's word to his people. Where is boasting then? It is excluded By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. This is God's word, and we're thankful that he has preserved it for us. Let's go ahead and open this evening with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the opportunity that we still have to hear your word, even though we're not together physically. We can be together In spirit, and as we consider your word together, we can be in the word together as well. So be with us as we navigate this uh, particular portion of your word. We pray that you would help us to have eyes uh, to see, ears to hear, and a heart to believe what your word is saying to us. And we're continually praying that you would make us more like you as a result of our study of your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I I don't know about you, but Some of the most difficult situations that I find myself in are situations where I'm tempted to take credit for things that I honestly have no business taking credit for. Something that maybe I did um, and and maybe I was the the face of something, but um, in the end ultimately it wasn't my idea and sometimes it can be very easy and very tempting to, to not correct people or, um, to let people just assume that, um, I'm the one who came up with the idea, especially if you think about in our, our ministry here, um, there are so many voices that speak into to a lot of what we decide to do, and and yet it's very easy and very tempting at times to take credit for things, for ideas and concepts that come up inside of the ministry. And one of the things that is really important, I believe, for, for me uh, to practice is, is to make sure that I'm not taking credit for things that aren't My ultimate decision. So, if you were to to want to to give praise or credit um, for for things that happen inside of our ministry, and and realistically, the ways in which uh, we've been able to advance, a lot of that credit goes to other people. A quick illustration of this would be even the the show uh, that we've been doing, this little uh, quarantine questions with Crave, was not my idea because ultimately, I'm not really that creative. Uh, that was really Jess and, and 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 something that she had seen and, and thought we could do it and pull it off. And, and it's been fun to, to do and fun to be a part of. E- even doing this, um, teaching and preaching the Bible via the internet and and all of the different recording and things that go into it. it ultimately, this would not be possible if it weren't for other people who are much more talented than me. A- another way that this kind of works its way out and, and, and and really what I appreciate about life is things that I can really just rejoice and not be tempted to to be prideful about because ultimately I have no no responsibility and it's apparent and so it's easy to be thankful for. One of those things that has kind of happened in our life is is with our daughter, Harper, and and adopting her, and um, she is super cute, and everybody will tell us that. And it's really easy for me to be able to say, thank you, I appreciate that, because I had absolutely nothing to do with it. And and, and I'm not tempted to be prideful about it, because that was something that I had no control over. Um, You know, Harper's biological parents... Chose us to to adopt her, and um, we were uh, that was a, a complete gift from God that we were chosen to to be her parents. And so it's really easy for me to take to not feel any sinful pride or really any pride at all in thanking people when they're complimentary about her and how cute she is and how wonderful she is and her spirit and her demeanor because the, I had nothing to do with that. And so it's really easy for me to be not. Um, prideful or sinful in the way that I think about those compliments because really I had nothing to do with it. And I think Christians need to reorient the way that they think about their own salvation and really where they boast and where they give credit to. Because I think our temptation a lot of times is to take credit for something that ultimately lies in who God is and what he has done. And our temptation as fallen people is to take credit for things we have really no reason to. And so Paul, in this particular text, kind of reorients or corrects the way that we think about our view of proper credit. And so kind of three ways tonight that the Apostle Paul is going to to kind of correct this for us. Uh, First is by realizing that salvation is not in us. So look at verse 27. Where is boasting then? Is it, it is excluded? By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Our temptation and our natural proclivity as human beings is to look at salvation and and, and make us look like we had ultimately something to do with it. And and yes, there is a human responsibility component in salvation. We we, We must respond in faith to Christ's offer of grace. And we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We want to affirm all of that. And humans must respond by placing their faith in Christ. But a lot of times our temptation is to begin to believe things that are inconsistent about who we are and our makeup and begin to take credit ultimately for things that we have no business taking credit for. And so Paul says, where is boasting then? And he says this phrase, it is excluded we are t- tempted to forget all of what Paul has taught us in the first three chapters of Romans. We're tempted to forget that we are natural enemies of God, that we are hostile, that we are rebellious in our nature, that inside and uh, the complete makeup of who we are is opposite of God, that we don't go naturally seeking after God. And, And Paul wants to remind us then that when it comes to boasting, we cannot boast in ourselves. We cannot boast in who we are or what we've done when it comes to saving faith. Paul once again reminds, he says ask two questions. By what law? And then he asked of works. Because he wants to remind the Roman reader their natural temptation was to boast in their abilities or their societal standing. We live in a culture and society that loves to do this. I think we we are surrounded by Christians who still fight against the, the temptation to boast in their works or in their uh, DNA. And I don't mean their physical DNA. I mean their spiritual DNA. So they're, they'll are boast in the, the years that they've spent serving the Lord or they'll boast in the fact that they've been a member of a church for a significant amount of time. And the Apostle Paul is saying, look, You cannot boast in yourself. And and the reason why is found at the end of verse 27. No, but by the law of faith, we must remind ourselves as part of the process of preaching the gospel to ourselves daily. And I think this is where we can grow, even in a a time of being uh, extended away from everyone, we can get in the daily habit of when I wake up in the morning, when I begin to spend uh, my devotional time with the Lord, I am preaching the gospel to myself daily, reminding myself of who God is, who I am, Who Christ is and what he's done, and the necessity of responding to that offer. It all are a part of preaching the gospel to ourselves daily. And so what happens when I remind myself and I preach the gospel to myself daily is that I am reminding myself that I did not go seeking God on my own account. I did not wake up one morning and decide that I needed a little bit more God. I didn't wake up one day going, you know what? I'm going to start reading my Bible just because I'm naturally curious about what God's word has to say. No, God's word is what has awakened us to the reality of our sinful condition and is pressing on us through the work of the spirit according to the word to place our faith and trust in God. The word is doing that work. When I placed my faith and trust in Christ for my salvation, what happened in that moment is that the word was making me alive. It was pointing me to Christ. And that faith was what did it. My faith in Christ is what saved me. I I could have boasted in societal standing, I was born to a family that had a mom who was very involved in church and a dad who was very involved in church. My dad was a deacon and and they served faithfully. I could have tried to claim societal standing. I could have even tried to claim works as a means to save. I, I had been at that time in my life, I was five years old. I had been attending church my entire life. I had grown up in that. Church and in that environment, and we were at church every Lord's Day and every Wednesday, and and I was learning Bible stories. But when I preach the gospel to myself daily, I have to remind myself that none of that ultimately was powerful enough to save me, and I cannot boast in that pedigree. In fact, that pedigree is un- essential to what it means to follow Christ. So I I would just want to stop at this moment and and cause us to pause for a second and ask ourselves, are we guilty of taking credit for our salvation? I think there are a lot of Christians who want to immediately rush to the answer of no, but listen to the way in which you speak about trusting in Christ. Listen to your testimony. Listen to the way that you describe what it means to be a, a follower of Christ Is that more about who you are and what has happened in your life? Or is it more descriptive of who Christ is and his expectations? And then I would ask you this. Are you looking? Are you still looking to the old habits? Are are you still looking to the old relationships to ultimately save you? Perhaps you're, you're watching this and you don't know Christ. You've not placed your faith and trust in Christ for salvation your habits, you're boasting in the law, you're boasting in your works, you're boasting in your societal standing, your, your perception in the community, whether that's in church or in, in, in the broader society, none of that will ultimately save you. You can only be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So, so first we see that when it comes to proper credit, it's not found in us. But proper credit is found, number two, in boasting in God. Look at verse 28, and we're going to read 28 through 30 together. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith, and the uncircumcised through faith. So so what Paul does here in setting up boasting in God, he says in verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Again, Paul's setting up for us, if we're going to boast, we need to boast in God and in his justifying work. In fact, this we could say is the center of the Christian understanding of what it means to be saved, that we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And, and, And Paul must, Assume that this is a common Christian confessional idea. Look at verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that we conclude it is Paul saying this is a standard portion component. This is the standard component of what it means to follow after Christ. And so we see that if we're going to boast in anyone, we must boast in God and in his justifying work and then Paul expands for us again on this justifying work component look at verse 29 or is he the god of the jews only is he not also the god of the gentiles yes of the gentiles also since there is one god who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith paul points to this expansion he he wants to be clear That justification by faith alone is available to all people, and 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 chapter four is going to unpack this in detail. But he wants to make sure that we understand that God is justifying both Jew and Gentile the same way. Look at verse twenty nine. That will we'll go to the end of twenty nine. And read it there together. Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised. Notice the phrase, who will justify the circumcised by faith. And then we continue to read, and the uncircumcised through faith. By and through faith. Faith. It's the same idea being uh, composed here by the Apostle Paul. You, you can be a Jew or a Gentile. And, and realistically, what Paul is saying here in strong terms is that all of humanity, if they are to be justified, must be and will be justified by God through faith. Paul is crystal clear here. And Christians need to be crystal clear as well. Christians need to make sure that they are explaining, look, the way you can be made right with God is being justified by God. And the way that you are justified by God is through faith in Christ alone. In in fact, we refer to a group called the Magisterial Reformers, this uh, group of men in the 16th century who came up with a way of framing Uh, Their understanding and they referred to it as the five solas or five words that that communicated clearly and men and women in the 16th century reclaimed this territory and began once again to proclaim the gospel clearly And, and they did it by articulating salvation this way you are I am all of humanity that is genuinely saved is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, for God's glory alone. The reformers wanted to be crystal clear here. And I think Christians need to grab hold of that 16th century statement and proclaim that clearly to people around them, that you Yes, you, person watching this this evening, who's never trusted in Christ, you can be made right with God. And the way that you can be made right with God is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone. Remember, we talked earlier when I was talking about my testimony, the word of God faithfully proclaimed is what made me aware of who God was, of who I was, of who Christ is. And ultimately, what my response must be. And then ultimately, we're saved for God's glory alone. God is glorified as as sinners repent of their sin and believe and confess in Christ alone. And, And I think even in times of global pandemic, we can continue to champion and herald the true message of the gospel, that you can be made right with God. And so, again, we just... As we go through sermons, we want to make sure that we're pausing and asking ourselves good questions to try and make sure that we're really letting God's word sink into us as we consider it together. And I would just ask you this evening have you truly been justified? Are you right with God? If you answer no, God's word here, Romans chapter 3, makes it clear that you can be justified right now. And then I would ask this, to think, those of you who are, uh, sometimes we're we're quick to answer questions. So I ask the question, have you been justified? And you say, yes, I've been justified. David, I, I know I'm right with God. And let me ask you this question, how were you made right with God? How were you made right with God? Were you made right with God because of something you did? And by something you did, I mean, you confessed your sins to someone and they told you you were okay? Or is it because you are a faithful church member or you're a good person who does good things? Romans 1-3 through says all of those things are false. They're not true roads that lead us to being genuine Christ followers. The only way we can be justified is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ by putting our faith and trust in Him alone. I want to make sure this evening that we take the time to to ponder and, and make sure that we're following the scriptural pathway to knowing and boasting in God. Because ultimately... If you are justified this way, it frees you up to be able to boast in God. It frees you up to be able to boast in his justifying work. Because you didn't justify yourself. Someone else did. And that proper credit can be rightly placed on God as that justifying one. The one who has made us right through his son. So we can't take credit for something that ultimately God is doing as the justifying Agent. So uh, we've seen tonight, if we're going to boast, we need to first make sure we're not boasting in ourselves. And, and then secondly, we, we want to make sure and clearly boast in God. But even proper credit means putting things in their proper place. And, and so number three is an objection that Paul deals with. And, and that is this, to see the law. So I, I would even say it maybe this way, to see the law rightly. Look at verse 31 with me. Paul writes this. Do we make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So upon the conclusion of his argument here, Paul anticipates an objection and and seeks to put it to bed really even before it gets started. He knew that when he would argue... That since one is made righteous by faith in Christ alone, that the law is no longer valid or needed. On the contrary, actually, Paul says, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law just because you've been justified by faith. Is no reason for you to suddenly be free of the moral requirements of the law in the Old Testament or or the moral requirements of the law, period. This idea that because we have been made right with God, we can kind of live however we want to live. The Apostle Paul begins to uh, anticipate this objection. And in chapter six, he's going to actually... Uh, unpack it in in detail in kind of the way that Christians are sanctified and continue to grow in Christ. But here he wants to pause and say, no, we do not uh, make void the law. We establish the law. The moral requirements, the moral expectations of what it means to follow Christ are, are necessary for the Christian to uphold. I would like to frame it this way. It's not enough to be to to say you've been justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. It, it, it is also the expectation that you would follow God's expectations for what a Christ follower should look like. So One of the, the things that will come out of this is we need to be careful readers of our Bible. And we need to see in which way the law has been carried forward in the New Testament under Jesus Christ as we read through the gospel accounts. And we need to be careful to make sure that we are following the moral requirements that God expects of Christians inside of his word. And so we want to, to follow his expectations. Our desire, because our heart's been changed, we've been justified and made right, is to make sure that we are obedient to God's expectations. The other thing that is beneficiary or, or beneficial about the establishment of the law is it also points to our sinfulness. And so the law becomes actually a great tool to be able to point to the humanity um, being infected by sin, that it's completely overtaken them because there's no way for you to perfectly keep all of the law outside of a relationship with Christ. And even inside of that relationship with Christ, we know that we will sin, that we will fall short, but it's Christ's work on the cross that makes us right before God. So Paul... Concludes chapter three by making sure that we understand that the law is still established, it is still operating, and there are still benefits that come as a result of it. And so I, I would want to, to pause at this moment and just say, You can answer the questions affirmatively. Yes, I've been justified. Yes, I'm pointing people to God. But are you living? The way that God expects you to live are you living in accordance with his word are, are you submissive to what God's word says is the expectation for how you live there are, are many people who want to claim and and take hold of Christ but not live in the way that he expects and demands that we live there are many people who want to say, I love the, the things that Jesus says. I think he's a great teacher. I think he's a great role model. But then they don't want to live in accordance with his expectations. Friends, I don't think it's possible for us to, to claim to be Christ followers and live a life that's inconsistent with God's expectations. And we actually do more harm than good when we say, I am a Christ follower. Yet in our day to day living, Live nothing like Christ. So tonight we this causes us to pause and, and to reflect and to ask ourselves, am I truly right with God? Am I truly justified and made right by Christ because I place my faith in Christ alone? And then am I living in accordance with His expectations? Let's pray together this evening. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the work that it does and the way that it makes us alive to the reality of your expectations for life. And I pray this week that we would be Christians who live boldly on mission for you and speak and boast in who you are and what you've done for us. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.